You can locate those and then um, um, just hold your hand up there. He's got them in his hand now. Hold your hand up there. On the back is our outline for tonight. And so you'll be able to follow along with that and um, uh, take notes as we go tonight. So John chapter 15 in your Bibles. We're going to step away from the uh, through the Bible series just for tonight. And you might ask, well, Pastor, why are we doing this? I, I came to church excited about Zephaniah. I really wanted to hear about Zephaniah. Well, we'll get to Zephaniah next week, Lord willing. Um, I'm trying to line up where we do Matthew the first uh, Wednesday in January. Uh, and so we have, counting tonight, we have four Wednesdays left and we have three Old Testament books left. Miss Rose needs one as well there with John, if you get her one. Uh, but uh, so with that said, I needed to fill in a spot. And so I was really excited about the truth I'm going to be given tonight. So I decided to drop this in here and we'll pick up Zephaniah uh, next week and study about that book as we make our way book by book through the Bible. John chapter 15, let's stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 15, and we will be looking at the first seven verses. Together, and this is going to um, this is going to be more of a topical study tonight uh, than a uh, uh, verse by verse. I enjoy the verse by verse, but uh, tonight will be more of a topical. Uh, let's look at beginning of verse one. There it says, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away; and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit." Now. Ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me. And here's really the key tonight. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that, again, abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. And is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And verse 7, focus, let's read that verse again there. Can we read it out loud together? Ready? If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So verse 7 almost seems to indicate a blank check from heaven if you're following these um, uh, principles here, these precepts here. I want to pre- uh, teach a Bible study tonight entitled this, The Role of the Bible in Prayer. The Role the Bible Plays in Prayer. Let's pray. I ask tonight, Lord, that you'd help us to understand the concept of abiding in you. And Lord, uh, as we mix together the concepts of reading the Bible and praying, and we try to understand, Lord, how they can overlap and uh, fit together and better our Christian lives Give us a better quality Christian life. I pray that the Bible study tonight would uh, yield uh, a better understanding and then, Lord, a sweeter walk with you. And, Lord, we all want to walk into our prayer closets and have it be more meaningful. We all want to, uh, Lord, uh, read our Bibles and know that we've walked away with something great that can really enrich, enrich in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to... Uh, to, to sit on the edge of our seat, proverbially, and to take a copious notes, and Lord, to walk away better understanding this idea. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Here in John chapter 15, 
Uh, John 14, 15, and 16 are known as the Olivet Discourse. Jesus has left the upper room. He is headed to the Mount of Olives where he will be arrested. He's going to get arrested. And from him leaving the upper room until he gets to uh, that place there with those 11 disciples, he shares his heart. And his heart is burdened. His, his heart is saddened. Uh, he is under a lot of stress and grief physically. And uh, have you ever noticed that poets seem to write some of their most beautiful poetry when they're under a lot of distress? Well, Jesus was under a lot of distress and everything that Jesus said was great. And I'm not going to uh, say that John 15 is more poetic than, say, John 3. But, boy, uh, we really get a rich, rich, rich passage of the Bible here. I can remember, um, uh, for the longest time, John 15 was my favorite chapter in the Bible. And um, I was a teenager uh, uh, traveling one summer doing some vacation Bible schools. We had a week off around the July 4th uh, uh, weekend there. And I was playing some basketball and I got hurt. And uh, they were asking me, what would you like us to do to help you? And there was an, I was 14, 15, there was an older uh, boy there. I said, read John chapter 15 for me. And he looked at me like I had lost my mind. And uh, But uh, I love this chapter, just love this chapter. And uh, tonight I hope to show you why I love it so much as we begin here and then branch off into it. Jesus is telling his disciples basically this, without me... There's nothing you can do. You can't succeed at anything. Now, I can't remember who it was that said this. I want to attribute it to Ben Franklin, but that may not be accurate. Someone said, it is not success I'm afraid of. It's being successful with the wrong things. Being successful with the wrong things. I am terrified that I'm going to get down to the end of my life and I'm going to stand before God and He's going to say, yep, you were really good at that, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. And, yeah, you can go out and be something, but in the grand scheme of things, is that really anything? And here Jesus is saying, if you want to be anything that matters, without me you can't do it. And the takeaway here uh, in the very early part of the message is, don't try to live the Christian life through your own strength and your own power. You've got to live the Christian life through His strength and His power and you, he's got to control you. He's got to work through you. Now, my entire Christian life, from the time I was a little boy, uh, I remember uh, once I was in church and I didn't know how to read yet. I, you know, I was probably five, six years old. And man, there was some visiting preacher. He was just preaching away. You know, you, if you don't read your Bible every day and you don't pray, you're a carnal Christian. And I, I leaned over to my mom and tugged on her dress. I said, what does it mean to be a carnal Christian? And she leaned down and whispered and says that, you're not right with God. Oh, well, I'm not reading my Bible. I couldn't read. I couldn't read. I didn't know how to read yet. And um, I remember, uh, you see, sometimes we have little kids come and kneel at the altar and pray. I was one of those little kids saying, God, I'm sorry that I'm not reading my Bible. And uh, I got home and told my mom, and she said, Richard, I think God will forgive you. You don't even know how to read yet. So... um but I can tell you that since I have learned how to read, there have been many days I didn't read my Bible, and I'm ashamed of that. I'm ashamed of that. Um, but we're told, right? If you go to church any length of time, you're any kind of a group Bible study, what do you hear all the time? The, to, to succeed in the Christian life, you've got to read your Bible and you've got to pray. You've got to read your Bible and you've got to pray. You've got to read your Bible and you've got to pray. You hear it all the time. And I've got to tell you that uh, the common explanation seems to be passed around that reading the Bible is God speaking to the Christian and praying is the Christian speaking to God. 
Now, this is not incorrect, but I do believe that explanation is a little bit shallow. I don't think the two have to be mutually exclusive. I don't think that you have to have Bible reading, kacha, prayer. Or prayer, kacha, Bible reading. I believe the two can work hand in hand. I believe they can work together. Tonight we're going to talk about that here. John 15 verse 7 explains how Bible reading and prayer fit together. And uh, together as a team, they accomplish a great work. Notice that verse 7 does not say, if you read your Bible and pray, that you shall ask what you will. It says, uh, in fact, the terms reading your Bible and praying are not even uh, in this verse, don't exist with inside of this verse at all. Look back at verse 7. If ye abide in Me, and My words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, the connection of Bible reading and praying needs to be made because this verse promises you that whosoever, uh, or rather whatsoever you ask for, will be given to you. It doesn't say might be, it says it will be given to you. And uh, God is really eager to answer your prayers. How does this work? Um, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. What does that verse mean? It means that He's going to give you the desires you ought to have, And then He's going to turn and fulfill the desires that He put in you. So He puts the desires in you, you ask Him for them, and then He fulfills it. You see how that works? It's the same thing with this verse. The more I abide in Christ and I allow Him to abide in me, the more of my prayer requests He fixes and He aligns with what He already wants to give me, and then He begins to fill my heart with that. This verse does not mean that if I'm reading my Bible and praying that I get to get on my knees and say, Lord, I would love to have a Maserati. And then it, you know, just drops out of the sky, right? Or I wake up on Christmas morning and there it is out in the parking lot, driveway. That's not how this, that's not how this verse works, right? Uh, God's not going to uh, give you the desire to ask for a Maserati if you're truly walking for Him because your, your mind will be on heavenly things. Notice that word in verse 7, if. 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 This is a conditional promise. Okay, God will give you what you ask for if you are abiding in Him and He is abiding in you. So, by way of introduction there, I believe on the back of your uh, prayer, uh, prayer bulletin there, you have... Uh, some blanks for the introduction. Let's look at that word abide and talk about what it means. First of all, abide means to remain in you. To remain in you. James chapter 1 verse 25 says, But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. So, uh, you look in that perfect law of liberty and you continue. That's the key. You continue therein. So, you have picked up the Bible. You have looked at it like a mirror. You've got an idea of where you've got some, you know, uh, some bed head and uh, maybe a little bit of pizza sauce you didn't clean, get cleaned off your face the night before. Still on there. and you, you got something between your teeth and you look at the Bible spiritually and you get yourself all cleaned up and then you have to continue therein. i got to say that um, I don't show up to work on Friday looking like a mess and when everyone's looking at me funny, say, well, well, what? And they say, did you not look in a mirror? Well, yeah, I looked in a mirror on Monday. No, I, I may have looked in a mirror on Monday, 
But I've got to look at it on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and on Thursday. And I've got to look at it every day. And I've got to tell you, uh, uh, if I go to the restroom and I'm washing my hands, I'm looking at my face. And if I just had lunch, my wife's been sending me a lot of salads to lunch. I think she's trying to send me a hint. Uh, but uh, I, I, I look in the mirror and I smile and I look to see if I've got any lettuce stuck between my teeth. You know why? I'm trying to continue therein. You've got to look continually there. And so to abide means to continue, to, uh, or to, uh, to, let's see here, to remain in you. So that Word of God's got to stick in you. How do you read your Bible? Do you just blow through it real fast so you can say you did it? Uh, you, you pull out that check sheet. You know, uh, I've seen these ever since I was a little kid. Three chapters a day. Right? You get you, th- get you through the Bible, three chapters a day, and man, I've seen them break it up all kinds of ways. The, the Genesis 1 through 3, 4 through 6, uh, uh, 7 through 9, all the way through, and then, you know, you get into like Psalms and your Bible reading takes you like five minutes. But then, you know, when you're in Jeremiah, it takes you like four hours to get through three chapters, right? Or it feels that way. And then they have all the other ones where they break them down real fancy, and that's great. And listen, I'm for you reading your through your Bible in a year. That's not my pattern. That's not my style. I like to study the Bible as I read it and try to understand it deeply. But let me tell you the danger of having a checklist, and check, 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 is that you sit down with your Bible, you blow through three chapters, you close it up, you check the box right there on the inside fly of your Bible, and off you go in the day, and you didn't even get anything out of it. And that's not abiding in Christ. That's just fulfilling a religious obligation. The second thing abide means is to submit to. To submit to. How well do you submit to what you read? You know, there's times I read my Bible and the Holy Spirit says, that verse right there, uh uh-huh, that one. Yep, yep, you're living in contradiction to that one, buddy. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm just going to move on to the next verse. Well, I'm not really submitting, am I? And so if you're going to abide in Christ, and by the way, He called Himself, He called His Son the Word. More about that in a minute. So if I'm going to abide in Christ, I've got to be willing to submit to what His book says. Something I say regularly uh, uh, is that truth is not invented. Truth is discovered. Truth has always been. And we ought to be on a lifelong journey to discover it. And I believe with all my heart, with every fiber of my being, that this Bible right here in my hands that I hold is the beginning and end of truth. And if that's true, if that statement is a true statement, and I come across something and my life is in error to this book, and I want to abide in Christ, then I've got to be willing to submit and come under. Now listen, you that sometimes is a process. Right? Um, let's say I, and I, I don't, let me say again, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't smoke, okay? But let's say I did. Let's say I had a problem with smoking, and I read that my body is the temple of God, and I'm not to defile it. And I say, well, I'm not really submitting to that verse. God's not expecting you to put that, that cigarette down and walk away from it for good, but He is expecting you to battle it. He wants to see that you're battling it and that you can walk away from it in time. You're giving it every effort you have and you're submitting to God and you're praying and asking for His help. Number three, notice abide means to put up with. To put up with. You ever read something in the Bible and said to yourself, that can't be so. How did Methuselah live to be 969 years old? Come on! You ever read something in the Bible where the Bible says that something is a sin and you're like... What? I, I, yeah, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. 
Um, there may be times while growing your faith that, especially young in your Christian life, that the Bible just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to you. You know, a lot of people will get to that spot and they turn around and they walk away from the Bible and they never come back. And the, the, the longer I have walked with the Lord, there have been times in my life where I have accepted that the Bible is right because the Bible's right without understanding it. And then I turned around several years later and I looked back on that moment in my life where I didn't really understand why it was right and ah, it made sense. It made sense. I had to walk a little bit further down the spiritual path before it made sense, but in time it made sense. And I would tell you tonight that if you're coming to a place in the Bible and you don't understand why it's there, it doesn't seem to make sense with you, uh, accept that it's right because God's Word is right. Keep walking with the Lord and in time that will make sense. Number four, abide means to carry out. To carry out. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but are you carrying out or distributing the Word of God? So, let's look tonight uh, at four... Uh, uh, four ways that the Word of God has direct bearing upon our prayer life. Now, if I don't chase a lot of trails, rabbit trails tonight, we may even get out of here a few minutes early. So, we'll, we'll see what we can do about that. Number one, speaking about the Word of God. Speaking about the Word of God. Again, the idea here is abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ and His Word abiding, uh, us abiding in Christ and Him abiding in us. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. You all know it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein, day and night, that thou mayest observe, to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So, God loves the Bible so much that He went out of His way to call His Son the Word. The Word. John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14. The same was, uh, uh, the same was in the beginning. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, the Word was made flesh and uh, the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. There it is. So, uh, Jesus is the Word. Capital W, Word. And so God loves His Bible so much that He went out of His way to call His own Son by uh, the same title He gives the Bible, the Word. When was the last time you caught yourself talking about the Bible outside of church and just in normal conversation? I get around folks, and um, it, I'll tell you about a funny encounter here. I was, um, I was signing an oil contract the other day, you know, where they come and fill up your house so you have heat. And I, I kind of procrastinated on that, and I waited till the needle was below the one-eighth line where they're owned, and then I went and signed the contract real quick. So we're safe. We got it in there for uh, for quit working. Uh, but um, I was in there, and the people that uh, that ran the place up in uh, Naugatuck, they uh, the conversation got kind of awkward at one point because I was trying to steer to spiritual direction to see where they were, to kind of gauge where they were, and they weren't having it. It was just really quiet. Just really quiet. They didn't want to talk about the Bible. Now, for a non-believer, I understand. But for a believer, I really don't understand. We don't understand. Um, I, I have gone out to lunch uh, with people, or I've just hung out with people on the side who uh, go to church, and when you talk about the Bible, boy, the conversation is shallow and short. But then you get on to the New England Patriots, they can talk for an hour. Right? You start mentioning political names and 
the, the conversation gets heated quickly and it's elongated and, uh, or, or you get on to some other topic and boy, they've got a lot to talk about. But when you want to talk about the Bible, there's not, just not a lot there. Why? Because the, the Bible is not something they want to speak about. And I would say tonight that do you want God to give you everything you ask for, as John 15, 7 says? then you're going to have to abide in Him, and He's going to have to abide in you. So, uh, God wants His book to be running into us, through our eyes, through our ears. He wants it running through us, and then He wants it running out of us. Out of us. So, uh, running into us, running through us, and then running out of us. He wants our lives to be consumed with the Word of God. Again, look at verse 7. Uh, John 15. If ye abide in Me, and My words, My words, My words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, how many of you here are daydreamers? Wake up! No, I'm just teasing. Now, how many of you are daydreamers? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, sometimes you might catch me staring off into space, Right? And I had an English teacher in high school. She used to say, uh, her name was Miss Pam. She used to say, all right, uh, earth to la-la land. Come back. That was her line. Earth to la-la land, right? Come back from la-la land. And uh, when was the last time you were just staring off into nowhere thinking about a Bible verse you read that morning? Because it's in you, right? Gatorade has that old, old, that old slogan, is it in you? Is it in you? And I'd ask you, is this in you? Is this in you? Uh, is your heart so saturated with the Word of God that you just sit around and think about it? When, when Christians pray, God wonders, what have you learned recently that you like from my book? What have you learned recently that you like? You know what I like? I love when uh, someone like a Brother Mark or Brother Adolfo or, or, or just anybody will come up to me and say, hey man, I got this out of the Bible. And man, this, this really touched my heart. This was so good. Nothing cheers me up more than that. I, I could be down, and Brother Mark does this a lot. I could be down having a bad day or something. I don't have a bad day very often. But I could just be having an okay or bad day. Brother Mark would come up, put his arm around me and say, hey, look what I got out of God's Word. Man, this is awesome. You know why? It's inning. It's inning. And God wants you to do that with Him. God knows the Bible because His Son is the Bible. But you go to Him and say, Hey, I was reading my Bible this morning, Lord, and I got this truth out of it. Boy, thank you for putting that in there because that really touched my heart. Now you're abiding in Christ and He's abiding in you. Instead, we talk about our jobs with people. We talk about the movie down at the theater. We talk about the latest trending YouTube video that was just released. Or uh, we talk about sports. Or we talk about other life, uh, life's uh, other events. God must uh, wonder while we are praying, have you ever taken the time to get to know what how I think? Uh, have you been in my book? God wants to hear your thoughts. He wants to hear your opinions. He wants to hear your affection. But He also wants to hear that you love His Bible. Number one, speaking about the Word of God. Number two, uh, talking about abiding in Christ tonight. Stability gained from the Word of God. Stability gained from the Word of God. Old Hallisbury said in his famous book, Prayer, he said this, To pray is to open the door to Jesus and to admit Him into your distress. Your helplessness is the very thing which opens wide the door to Him and gives Him access to all of your needs. 
Let me read that last sentence again. Hang t- uh, listen closely. Your helplessness is the very thing which opens wide the door to Him and gives Him access to all of your needs. When life's distresses bombard you and the walls of your life seem like they're crashing down on top of you, that's when you should turn to the Word of God for stability. You know, most Christians, um, they'll read the Bible to be intellectual about it, and then they don't pray. And then when a problem comes, they'll pray, but they don't read the Bible. My friend, we ought to read the Bible and pray with a heartbeat of trying to get hold of God and understand Him during a tough time. Uh, God gave us the book of Psalms. I love the book of Psalms. You turn over to Psalm chapter 27 for me. Psalm chapter 27. And um, there have been many times in my life where I've been in a dark place or I've been uh, going through a hard time or a struggle. Maybe there are even times where, you know, my life all in all is good, but I'm just having a bad day. And I'll flip over to the book of Psalms and I'll see there in, in there uh, people who have worse problems than I do, had worse problems than I had rather, and I, I find that they were able to call on the Lord during a difficult time and get that strength. And God's Word comes along and it fortifies me. It gives me that stability during a rough time in my life. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came up to me, my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this, in this will I be confident. There are times in my Christian life where, boy, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to feel. And I can open up the Bible and I get stability to my emotional status. And I get stability to, to, to my life because God's Word is that rock I can put my feet on. And that's part of abiding in Christ and Him abiding in you. Before you run to God, listen closely to this, before you run to God to complain about all of the problems in your life, it's a good idea first to spend time in God's Word and be reminded about how powerful He is. Then you can pray with a new, renewed confidence in God that He will help you to overcome life's difficulties. How many of you here, I imagine it's all of us, but how many of us here are guilty of being in the middle of a problem and you run to God in prayer. Ah! You just, you know, rant and rave and, and just back up the emotional dump truck and just dump it all over God. And, and I wonder if God isn't thinking, you know, if you just open up the Bible and spent 15 minutes reading 1 Samuel 17 about David de- defeating Goliath, or you would have read about the three Hebrew boys who defied uh, 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 Nebuchadnezzar and were thrown in the fiery furnace and pulled out, if you would have spent just a few minutes uh, reading and understanding the wonderful truth that John uh, survived, all that he survived, and uh, just re- take the time to read the book of Acts and see how God took the church and exploded it on the scene. You step back and go, you know, God, you're pretty powerful. My problem is big to me, but it's little to you. When you read the Bible, it gives you that perspective gives you that stability. But when you don't read the Bible and you just run straight to prayer, well, now what happens is you forget how big God is. You make Him a smaller God than He is and you make your problem disproportionate to the power God has. 
Number three, notice, sentiment learned from the Word of God. Sentiment learned from the Word of God. When we come to God, there is a certain reverence or priority in which we should enter His presence. I hesitate to say this, but but I think the larger point here will be made. So hang with me here. Um, even within the walls of this church, um, if I were to ask ten of you your opinion of our president, I'd probably get ten different answers. And so let's set who the president is to decide. Let's talk about the position of the president. Okay? I don't like to get political here. I, I try to avoid that stuff, especially personal politics. But it doesn't matter to me who the president is. If I was invited to the White House... I'd go buy the nicest suit I could find. This president, past president, two, three presidents ago, I respect the office. Boy, I would, uh, I'd probably schedule a teeth whitening appointment. I might set up an appointment to have hair grafted into my head. Or at least go buy a wig or something, right? Boy, I would get myself looking as good as I could. And I would walk in as respectful as possible. Um, I would not walk into the Oval Office or uh, the West Wing of the White House and bring my list of complaints and just rant and rave and yell and scream and holler. Our president is a sinful man. God is not. But we enter God's presence with complaining, We enter God's presence with shouting and whining and murmuring. Over and over again, you find phrases in the Bible such as, I lifted up my soul. I cried unto the Lord. And you even find, I complained in the Bible. Let me just say here that God wants you to have a a deeper relationship with Him than just some stuffy, stiff relationship. But... Even in that role, there needs to be a sense of respect. There is a time and place for you to grumble about a hardship in your life to God. Or even complain about circumstances that are bothering you or hurting you. But you should be careful not to begin that way. Are you in Psalm right now? Can you turn to chapter 100? Psalm chapter 100. The psalmist here tells us how we are to enter into God's presence. Look at uh, 100 verse 4. It says there, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Not enter His gates with complaining. Not enter His gates with uh, with murmuring. (laughs) Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Into His courts with praise. With praise. Now again, the concept, let's not forget here, is abiding in Christ. Uh, we're abiding in Him, He's abiding in us. And there's a mixture of Bible reading and prayer that happens. And so, we read our Bibles to prep our hearts and we enter into His presence with thanksgiving. Reading God's Word before our prayer time will again remind us of how wonderful our God is. And that will help us to enter into His presence with the right frame of mind. 
Once you have thanked Him and praised Him, God wants to hear the things that lay heavy on your heart, but He doesn't want you necessarily to start there. I like to relate this as a parent. I've got an 8-year-old and a 6-year-old. You all here that come here regularly, you know my children. And um, um, I, uh, we have a garage at our house. And so every day when I'm coming home from work, I reach up above my head and I, on the visor I hit that garage door button and I get a big smile on my face because um, I'm pulling down the driveway and I try to get my car in the garage before the kids open the garage door. I can't wait to see those two beaming, smiling, happy faces waiting for me, bouncing up and down at the door because Daddy's home. I, I, I anticipate it. And uh, if, if, they're, like, if they don't hear the garage door or Mom uh, has them tied up where they can't come down, it, it, it saddens me a little bit. Uh, I love when they're there at that door. And, and I love to get to see them and spend time with them. But i got to say that if I got out of my car and my son was standing there with a, gra- a frown on his face and he said, Dad, I hate my bedroom. You need to fix this and this and this. Whew. Well, that would be a problem. Now, maybe the, uh, let's, let's go with that pretense that there, is some, that there would be something wrong with, with my son's room. After he has hugged me, after he has talked to me and asked me how my day was, and I've asked him about his day, after we've had some good conversation, and he says, Dad, come back to my room, I want to show you something. Now I'm fair game. You all understand what I'm saying with this? You can't walk into the presence of God right off the bat and say, I don't like this and this and this about my life. Fix this and this and this now. God says, no, 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 hold on. Enter into my presence with thanksgiving. That's why Jesus, uh, when He was asked by the disciples how to pray, the very first thing He did is He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, holy, be Thy name. He, and so He started out by praising God, not complaining. And so you get into that Bible, you've had a bad day, you're frazzled, you're rattled from the day that's gone on. You get in your Bible and you read it and God helps you remind you how wonderful He is. Those pages remind you how wonderful your God is. And that can help fix your heart's attitude with the sentiment. Number four, studying of examples from the Word of God. Studying of examples from the Word of God. Helen Montgomery said in her book, Prayer and Missions, she said this, The Bible is the record of praying men, and from them we learn how to pray. It is the record of prayer life and the prayer word of Him. Who was Son of Man and Son of God? From His life and from His words, we learn prayer when it is, or rather what it is, what it does, and what it means. What it is, what it does, and what it means. And so, uh, uh, there are many ways you can read through the Bible. One way I would challenge you to do it is to study those who pray in the Bible and effectively get hold of God. That will help you better understand how that you can follow their example and you can abide in Christ and have Him abide in you. Okay, before we go here, I want to give you five practical ways to utilize the Bible every day. Five practical ways to utilize the Bible every day. Okay, here they are. Number one, write down some Scripture verse daily. Write down some Scripture verse daily. 
I, I saw somebody do this one time. They got one of those big, uh, uh, big rings, metal rings that have the clip that comes on and off. And they got three by five cards, lined three by five cards. And every day in their Bible reading, they would find a verse they could write on that card, and then they would clip that on there. And then uh, uh, at the end of the year, they had 365 cards on this ring, and then they'd go back and work on memorizing them one at a time. Isn't that a great idea? You're finding something in your Bible every day that you're not getting done with. Uh, I, I, uh, uh, there was a point in my life where I was that, read three chapters, close it, move on. Read three chapters, close it, move on. And someone challenged me one day. They said, look, don't close that Bible until you go back to a verse and let the Lord speak to you through that verse. So find that verse and write that down. You don't have to put it on a clip. You can tuck it in your pocket. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're an electronic geek, this is more where I'm at now. Uh, I will find a verse in my Bible on the paper, but then I'll go to a Bible app and I'll copy it and I'll paste it over somewhere and then I'll pull that notes app up and I'll go back and I'll look at that verse again. So find some way of setting a verse aside every day uh, that you can have that Scripture to go back and meditate and mentally chew on. Number two, surround yourself with Bible promises. Surround yourself with Bible promises. If God promises it, He's going to do it. Every time. Now, if I make you a promise, there is a chance I won't keep it. I try to keep my word, but I'm not God. I'm not as perfect as He is. I've mentioned here before how that I invite a lot of people to church. And if I invite, if I have ten people tell me they're coming to church, one of them might show up. Just how it goes. 2017, people don't keep their word. Don't superimpose the lack of character everybody else has on God. God is perfect. If God says He's going to do it, He's going to do it. Every time. Every single time. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That doesn't mean that if I get down on my knees and confess my sins, God's going, ah, I don't know, that was a pretty bad infraction. I'm going to have to think about this one. That's not how that works. If I confess, and I do it confess the right way, he, at faithful, just, every time. Forgive my sins, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, those are conditional promises, but surround yourself with promises from God's Word. Uh, maybe put one on the corner of your mirror in your bathroom and put one there in the dash of your car. And, uh, put one up on the refrigerator. Promises of God's Word and swap those out occasionally and better understand them and hold them in front of you and remind God of those promises. Jeremiah 33.3 Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. If you call on God, He's going to answer you. So hold on, cling to those promises. Number three, talk about the Bible with other Christians. Talk about the Bible with other Christians. Now, when you get around other Christians, how long does it generally take you before you uh, you get on Bible talk? Pretty quick? Take a while? Um, if it's in you, you're going to talk about it. You say, well, Pastor, I'm just not there yet. Then force yourself. Force yourself. You say, well, there's a lot about the Bible I don't understand yet. Then ask questions. Find a more mature Christian and ask questions. But talk about the Bible to other Christians. Number four, think about Bible stories or small portions of Scriptures. Think about Bible stories or small portions of Scriptures. One of the things that uh, I have loved doing with my children is acting out the Bible. Right? So, like the story of Jonah and the whale. 
Angel and I will get uh, the hands and the legs and we'll call Matthew Jonah. And we'll, one, two, three, and we'll toss them on the couch. What are we doing? We're acting out the story, right? Or, uh, when Matthew was little, we did David and Goliath. And obviously I would have been Goliath and he would have been David. And he's hit me with a rock in the forehead and wham, down I go on the floor. And he's taking his little plastic sword and he's trying to chop my head off, right? story of David and Goliath. Um, we all have this thing in our brain called an imagination. I preached about it a couple Sunday nights ago. And usually our imagination, if we're, uh, if we're not on top of that, is used for evil things. I mentioned in that sermon that 33 out of the 35 times the word imagination or some variation of that word is used in Scripture. It, it's accompanied with words like evil. Evil. So, we have to force our imagination to not be evil. But you're using that, that, uh, that, that, that mind's eye to dwell on um, uh, stories of the Bible and remind you of powerful truths in the Bible or you're thinking through the words. I remember uh, when we lived in uh, Maryland, Angela had gotten one of those vinyl, uh, you know, the vinyl wall art and it was, um, uh, I believe it was Proverbs 3 6. Uh, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. One day I was sitting there putting on my shoes, and I'm looking up at that word acknowledge, acknowledge, and it dawned on me that knowledge is inside of acknowledge. And uh, the more I, knowledge I have with, of God, the more I can, the more easy it will be to walk with God. That's that idea of having that small amount of verses in your brain that you're focusing on. Number five, let your mind dwell on Scripture while you pray. Let your mind dwell on Scripture while you pray. Um, there's nothing wrong um, with finding a psalm that matches your emotion and praying that psalm. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. Saying, Lord, I don't know really how to say it much better than the psalmist here. Read that psalm. There's nothing wrong with reminding God of a verse in the Bible and saying, Lord, you know the Bible because you are the Bible, but let me remind you of this verse that's near and dear to my heart. Near and dear to my heart. And so you can pray while you're even reading the Bible. Lord, what would you have me get out of this truth today that I'm reading? What are you doing? You're allowing God's Word, to, you're allowing God to abide in you while you abide in God. And back to our beginning point, John 15, 7, if I abide, if, let me go back there. It says, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. And it shall be done unto you. And so that's the challenge tonight is mixing that Bible reading and prayer and having an idea of that being more than just reading your Bible, chop, pray. No, let's put them together and let's not just read our Bible and pray. Let's abide in Christ. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. How about it tonight, Christian? Is your uh, devotional life either non-existent or has it gotten... Uh, 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 cold? Uh, is it lacking that intimate walk with God that you once had? Uh, do, you, do you have that close-knit, special time with God? I really believe that if your walk with God is sweet, um, then you won't have to do it out of character. You'll, do, you, you, you'll be dying to get back to that. In fact, you'll increase it. You'll add to it. How about it tonight, Christian? Are you walking with God? Are you abiding in Him and His words abiding in you? Lord, I pray tonight that as we 
go to a moment of invitation, that you would help us to really consider this truth. What abide means, and Lord, how we can do that in a better way. I pray, God, that we would talk about your word, that we would, uh, Lord, that we would uh, study the examples in your word, Lord, that we would understand the emotion of your word, we understand the power uh, of your word. And I pray, God, that you would just help that relationship to be Enoch-like, Enoch-like, so close to you that, uh, Lord, he was closer to heaven than he was home. Help us, Lord, to learn from these examples. I pray, God, tonight the message would move us to run back to our prayer closet, run back back to our Bibles, and to want to do it even better and sweeter. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The altar is open. I would encourage you to come and kneel and, and talk to the Lord in prayer. You can either do that in your pew or you can do that here. Uh, and just tell the Lord that you're serious about not just Bible reading and prayer, but you're going to abide in Christ and let His words abide in you.